The sun'll come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, the sun will come out tomorrow. So you gotta hang on till tomorrow. Come what may, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll love ya, tomorrow, you're always a day away. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to sing the whole song. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do that. Welcome to Ruthless, where we sing, we dance, and we entertain. <laughs> Unbelievable. Genuinely a variety program. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Smug, what do we think here, pal? Wait, that was that that was the take? Rolling with that one? Incredible. We're, we're going. All right. <laughs> I'm just sitting here stunned. <laughs> I mean, we don't even have to say it's going to be a great show. That's already done. That's been established oh, at this point. We told standing work, Duncan. Oh, uh, we told you. Yeah, we told you Tuesday that the variety program would deliver, and that in particular, Duncan on Duncan was being peer pressured into doing Annie tomorrow, and he delivered in spades, folks. Outstanding. Look, I'm a team player. Just uh, we know that. serving the content that people want. You got to love it. <laughs> you ask for it, we deliver. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, honestly, we should just sign out. That is just. Yeah, that's the, I mean, honestly, they everyone's gotten their money's worth. That's the, this has been a great episode, folks. No, but we we really do have a, a really good one today. We do. Uh, we what do. do we have? What's on the docket? Well, there's this spectacular development that a lot of people have been following. Uh, as it relates to the stock market. And it has a lot of parallels to the political situation we've had in our country. And uh, we find it particularly interesting and slash hilarious here at Ruthless because our resident burn it all down comfortably smug uh, is now an institutionalist uh, when it comes to <laughs> investing. And all of a sudden, oh. Duncan and I find ourselves <laughs> as, you know, the, the, the guys who are on the outside looking. We're now the anti-establishment folks. We've had a role reversal. This institutional institutional like. investors are the salt fun. of the earth. They're the fabric of our society. 
this is what uh, democracy looks like. This is what yeah, right. Like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's We're perfect. These, these are essentially Antifa, <laughs> you know, domestic terrorist types. It feels attacking. so good. It feels so good to see. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I just, I feel bad about them. I, I feel bad for these folks who are going to get just absolutely hosed. It's the little guys who are going to get crushed in this. So just to level set so everybody knows what we're talking about here, there has been a development in Wall Street and what they call the retail investor, which is basically just normal people out across the country who have all sort of gotten behind a, in particular, one stock called GameStop. Now, you, you know GameStop because like basically every strip mall that you grew up around had a GameStop where you bought video games and video game consoles and, and all that kind of thing. And it, there was a bunch of hedge funds that went very short. And we can, Smug, why don't you explain uh, what that means? I'll briefly just say, in, in you know, for, for simplicity's sake, it's when you are shorting a, uh, when you are shorting a stock, you are, uh, you know, Trans, the transaction is you are borrowing a share from the broker and instantly selling it, you know, and so you owe a share to the broker. It's, it's essentially a bet that the share price is going to go down. Like, you know, you if I want to buy a share of, uh, you know, widget, you know, widget or widgets are us and it's $10 a share and I think it's going to go to zero. Then I short the stock and the broker says, okay, you know, uh, you give, you give me 10, you know, you will owe me a share. And so if, if the stock goes down to $1, then I've made the nine when I give them back the share at $1. I hope that made sense. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like in layman's terms, you're betting against the success of a company. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're betting the share price goes down. So anyway, you're betting, couple- you're betting, you're betting, you're betting that, that the company or uh, the entity uh, is ripe for some sort of challenge, if you will, like a primary challenge. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Amazing. I see what you're doing. Okay, so now you can see, we're just going to start painting a little picture in here so we can see how this develops as a political parallel. But what happened was that there was a bunch of institutions like big hedge funds that had taken a short position in GameStop because they were betting that this is a, a basically an old business model that obviously with COVID has a lot of challenges in terms of foot traffic inside of a retail store. And uh, not to mention the fact that most people are streaming games and things like that. So there's not really a marketplace for a, a bricks and mortar store. So they short this position. Well, these guys on the internet, on Reddit in particular, take umbrage with this position and had somehow figured out how to organize literally millions of people who are like day trading uh, for GameStop stock. And they've driven the share price up to like as high as $350. It started at like 17 bucks. Now, the reason all this stuff is important is because normally normal people don't manipulate markets like this. This is entirely, (laughs) entirely in history, it's entirely a, a product of Wall Street, and now it has escaped the grips of Wall Street, which I find uh, to be refreshing. Smug finds to be- I disagree with that characterization. <laughs> Smug finds to be uh, concerning. Concerning. Oh, I mean, the thing is, is like, you think about hedge funds, um, the only people who are allowed to invest are your high net worth individuals, your 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 QIBs, you know, it's essentially just to keep 
you know, the average retail investor from getting, you know, over their skis. Oh, well, you and, know what? I and think, so that's I, what they do. Is that, you know, I think they, we need, they protect, I think, they protect I think we need term limits. I look, I think we need term limits on these hedge fund uh, managers. <laughs> I think they have too much power. <laughs> They've been there too long. And they're really, frankly, you know, screwing up the market. Duncan, do you think that it's, it's possible that they've just been focused on feathering their own nests? I think the real swamp isn't the Potomac in Washington. I think it's right there on the Hudson River. <laughs> I'll uh, tell you what. These, Wall these, Street. Wall Street's the real swamp. Um, and we got we to gotta go for them. Hedge fund managers are, are, like I said before, they're salt of the earth. Oh, yeah. They, they provide so much to society. You know, everyone's talking about the Robinhood app, but the Robinhood Foundation does so much charitable works um, for, for, for schools, for oh. folks in need. And that's what hedge fund managers do. You know, they help deploy capital. They keep markets efficient. Uh, and, and they vote and, for Joe Biden. And, and, well, <laughs> they vote for Joe Biden. And these people didn't give a shit. I'll tell you what, any, any, any fund managers who Hold voted on. for Biden, I hope they do catch it on this. I hope they're, they're getting squeezed like hell. I'll, right, I'll say that. Right, because they didn't give a shit about the W-2 or K-1 filers running small businesses across America for the last year that have been shut down. Right? And I, I tweeted it out. I think they uh, did, by and large. Oh, they didn't care. <laughs> They didn't care at all. Overflowing amounts of I, compassion. I, I tweeted out. They do all they can to keep businesses going, you know, deploy capital across the country. I'd like someone to come on Ruthless Podcast and explain why this GameStop scheme is more fraudulent than the stock market going up, up, up while Main Street was on lockdown for the last year. I mean, that makes total sense. You know, it's investors, you know, where they put their money is where they put their money. But there is, I, I here's what I'm saying is with this, with this Reddit situation, uh, you know, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of folks who get in trouble with the law, who get in trouble with the SEC, and the vast majority, you know, of of uh, these retail investors who are jumping in, I think it's not going to end happily. Because only fat cats should be allowed to manipulate the markets. That <laughs> yeah, only the average everyday. I disagree market. with the characterization of market manipulation in the first place. I think funds provide a vital utility to society yeah so when ackerman goes on cnbc and says i have a short position in this company it should go to zero and that's why that out of the goodness of his heart you and know? then when, he I, when icon that. when icon goes on and, and shouts at ackman for having that and just short squeezes the hell out of him that's the market at work you know? oh so they're allowed to have freedom absolutely. of speech and democracy absolutely organize 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 their capital totally the regular people of america they're not allowed to organize their capital. yeah you're if i think you're sec registered investment advisor you know, and you open it only to limited partners who are qualified as high net worth individuals or QIBs. You should absolutely have a voice. This is the best. <laughs> so I love this. It's this so good. good. This is the this is the storm the capital crew. I mean, it's just to keep it's to keep folks safe from themselves. That's all it is. So so so, so just to put a finer point on it, what do you think we should do with all these marauders who are ruining your precious? I mean, market? I don't think there's anything we need to do. What it, the, it's going to take care of itself. You're going to have the SEC that's going to find anyone who acted, you know. Uh, Where are the regulators? Exactly. Where I think are the, the regulators? regulators are going to handle it. And then there's going to be a lot of folks who lose a lot of money, lose their shirt over this. You know, it's so and the funny. market will take care of itself. What's so funny is they're all going to come to Washington and want congressional hearings. And yeah, invest, that's the thing. Is I, that's the next to protect step. The market. Like, and look, they're going to have think... all these folks on Robin Hood that are going to demand a bailout. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. 
Well, okay, maybe maybe the price of entry there for our friends on Wall Street should be taxing carried interest as regular income. Never, never. That makes zero sense. Uh, your, your resident, there's your resident populace comfortably smug. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We've gotten more of a kick out of this than most here in the program because of the role rever- the sharp and drastic role reversal we've all played here because Duncan and I are taking a look at these hedge funds, which uh shall we say we don't view favorably by and large but the fact that like three million or so people on reddit who decided to invest against him and bankrupted a few of these guys for me that's got to just keep him on his toes i'm all for it well i mean like look i i don't i guess i agree with smug in one sense like this isn't going to end well um, oh so no somebody's going to yeah. be left holding this will back. end in tears absolutely yeah. but it is an interesting i mean the political parallels to this i mean in politics we've been dealing with the rise of of populism and online activism and organization through that online mm-hmm. since the early 2010s. And you know, I mean, I remember when I was a chief of staff in Senator McConnell's office, there was these two bills called SOPA and PIPA, and they dealt with online yeah. privacy. And they were they were in the Senate. They were bills that had like 60 plus co-sponsors, right? So you they're widely supported pieces of legislation that like the entertainment industry and it, it, everybody who basically owned intellectual property was extremely in favor of. Well, the internet companies decided that they were then going to be liable for any sort of distribution of, of any of this because of this bill. And they organized against it. And I remember like Wikipedia and Google and a whole bunch of different sites online shut their sites down for the day and put instructions to everybody who visited to say like, write to your congressman or senator and tell them you can't pass this. And it was a game changer overnight in terms of activism on Capitol Hill. The bills died a very violent, immediate death because of the ability of Americans to organize around, you know, something that they that they saw as wrong. And, and by the way, they had absolutely no idea, but they knew that the sites that they relied on for information were telling them that they wouldn't be able to provide the information if these things passed. So that was kind of the beginning to me. And up through the Tea Party, and you know, we see it in spades today with you know all of the uh, like really good activism, and then how it can also be bad when you see things like QAnon and and other things develop to become crazier. But this is the first time we've ever seen your fat cat smug get their toe (laughs) caught in the door. I mean, I I, they're gonna be fine. That's the thing is, institutional investors are gonna be fine. Just the, the amount of capital that they have relative to how much you know folks on Robinhood. Having that, which is also, you know, this is an unfounded theory of mine. You know, I, I have zero basis in any sort of investigation to confirm this, but I just have a feeling there's there's a circle of of folks who who didn't have, you know, the best of intents in mind, who are essentially wanted to pump and dump a stock. Right, 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 right. Like ten, like ten or twenty folks are doing yeah. like a quarter of the and, volume, and, and they're masquerading as meme lords, but yep. actually. And then they're getting a bunch of folks who right. might have, you know, a few hundred bucks, uh, you know, and that might not even be any sort of disposable income or anything that they'd be, you know, happy to part with. And they're, they're, they're getting all these folks to jump in with, with a small amount of money. And those are the folks that are going to get hosed while, you know, that small circle of nefarious actors. Uh, I mean, who knows? They've probably already walked away, closed their trade. So, so we're going to wrap um, on this for us, but we are going to talk to Johnny DiStefano, who listeners will remember his name because he was the deputy chief of staff for President Trump the first two years 
uh, incredibly important actor in the, the Trump White House. He left, started his own consultancy, but he's also been following this like a laser and participated in it with great success, I might add. Uh, but he'll freely admit, I mean, he's not an investor. He doesn't know this, so he, but he brings the political uh, intelligence of sort of how all of these things came to be and provides a really interesting perspective that we'll have in our last segment today. It's a pretty good interview. I was listening to it. It's great. Good, good yeah. stuff. Johnny's a good you know guy. what I want to talk about? Why, why I'm enraged today. One yeah. of the many reasons, but why I'm very enraged is, so there was a tweet that the mayor of uh, DC, Muriel Bowser, put out, which says, DC, let go of your boards. If you know a business that still has boards up, please remind them to pull them down. Hashtag DC is open. Unbelievable. Really? I mean, all that, it says DC is open now that the right person is president. Like the way that everything has become politicized by, by Dems in, in, in terms of, I mean, this is just such a prime example. So I mean, just to give you a perfect example. So post-election November, I, my office is right downtown. I haven't been there since March of last year, right? I can do most of everything I need to do at home. All my folks that I deal with, I deal with over the internet and everything else. I haven't actually gone to my office in large part because I can't get there. I walked, I actually walked past it. I, I have a place here and which was designated like the green zone of the red zone. I walked past it. There was like a Humvee and a national guard yeah. in front of it. I can't get there. The, the parking garage that I am supposed to park in is, is a block away from 16th street where the, the, the epicenter of all of the protests over the summer were congregated. And for most of the summer, you couldn't get in. They closed the street. Like I couldn't actually get to my office if I wanted to, right? And it wasn't because of COVID. It wasn't because of, of all the various economic situations we've got going on. It's because there was organized protests sponsored in large part, I would say, you know, maybe not officially, but cert certainly sanctioned by the mayor Bowser's office that resulted in huge destruction across the city where they were breaking windows and burning down buildings and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that like, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the intent of the organizers, but that's really what happened to the middle of the city. So now it's incredible for me to hear, okay, now, now it's time to take down the boards. And, and that's, that's really the thing, you know, what was it all for? Like uh, a wonderful, wonderful user on Twitter, M. Brassenstein, had this great tweet where he said, glad to see there was meaningful police reform, which let us get to this point. Kudos to all. I, like nothing changed except for who was in the White House. No, That's what this was about. That's what this was about. It, it, it's, it's truly, it's disheartening. And it's really disheartening to, to people, particularly civil rights leaders, which, I, you know, I got I to gotta say, there are, are people who are, all summer genuinely invested and genuinely invest their life's work into justice and equality issues, police reforming, you know, all kinds of things. And you listen to people speak so passionately about that. And then you watch it get absolutely hijacked by a bunch of Democrats who put Kenta cloths on yeah, and pretend like they're pretend like they're representing their interests. When in reality, all they're trying to do is get a partisan edge on a president they don't like. Yeah. After, after Nancy Pelosi put on that Kente cloth and now that, DC's reopened. Do you think? Uh, do you think she said a peep about police reform? Has she said anything? Nope. They nope. don't care. They got what they want. They yeah, got they what care. they wanted. It, it's it's really 
it's really a shame, but you're watching, you know, all the things that we said were going to happen are happening slowly, you know, that all of a sudden COVID no longer exists, you know, economy. Yeah, once Newsom's like, oh yeah, uh, we can reopen. Uh, you know, the, he's, when, when he first announced these shutdowns, he's like, my decision-making is based on the science and the experts. And the metric I'm looking at is what percentage of our ICU beds are filled. Well, well the percentage has gone up since the shutdown. And he still said, oh, well, we're reopened now. Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that's not open. The one thing that every parent in America knows that's not open yeah. is our schools. Yeah. And I don't know of anything that enrages the average, everyday, moderate, more than the idea that teachers' unions are somehow finding a new reason at this point in time to not teach their children. And see, what's what what's infuriating is not just that, because you always expect teachers unions to be like, we just want money, we don't want to do anything. That's their MO. But not only are the teachers unions being like, no, no, we can't, we can't go back to work. It's uh it's unsafe. The CDC, you know, said, okay, you know, schools can reopen. That, that's okay. That'll, that'll be fine. And you had the Biden administration who ran saying, oh, we believe in science. We trust the experts. We worship at the altar of science. And, and then it was, it was Klain, right? Who was like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah the yeah. union said it's unsafe, right. so uh, it's unsafe. Can we, let's get moderate Jeff to play that sound from last night. President Biden has sent a plan to Congress that will make sure that a majority of our schools could be open within 100 days. We need Congress to pass that plan so we can do the kinds of things you need to do so that the schools can be safe, so the teachers can be safe, so the students can be safe. Sadly, it costs money, Aaron. So Klain is just saying, nope, not yet, right? You've got the yep. CDC that says there's actually a very low transmission rate in schools and it's perfectly safe to send your kids back. You've got Fauci who, you know, look, we've been very critical of Fauci, but to his credit since last September, he's like, I don't think we have a problem with schools. I don't think that's a, a mm -hmm. transmission issue. I think we should pro probably open those up. Even Fauci says that, right? I mean, didn't Biden say directly when they asked what he would do about COVID? He said, I would listen to Fauci. I yeah. would fire Fauci. I would yeah. listen to Fauci. Well, there you are, folks. So this, this is what happens when one bullshit narrative uh, takes precedent over another. When they say <laughs> for a year, we're going to listen to the science. As if, as if that's the answer to everything, as if there isn't a cost benefit analysis to every decision we make in government. And we're always going to listen to the science. In reality, here's a core democratic constituency that doesn't give a shit about your kids. And it's more important that your kids get depression and fall behind in school and suicide rates go up. than these people be made a tiny bit less comfortable than they've been for the last year. And it's not even just that they're tiny. The amount of attention that has gone into this, it, it, what really enraged me about what Klein said was, no, 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 like we're not ready. They need the infrastructure and that comes in our COVID relief bill, that $1.9 trillion boondoggle that they're trying to sell to Congress currently that includes things like minimum wage and, and all kinds of like extraneous non-COVID related stuff. And what he's doing is trying to get people, okay, this is, so now we can open the schools. We have to spend another $2 trillion on democratic priorities. So now we can open the schools. But like all of that is just playing the American people for absolute dumbasses. Because three weeks ago, President Trump signed into law a bill that provided $83 billion for schools. 
to retrofit schools, to have air purifiers, to make sure there were smaller class sizes. That comes all on top of another $23 billion that they still haven't spent from last April. There's been over $100 billion spent on schools, getting them ready to open for, for our children. And they haven't gone back because the teachers union say, well, we got to be vaccinated. Okay. All right. Sounds good. We got a vaccine. Now you're first in line. We vaccinated all you. Now they're saying, now all the kids need to be vaccinated. Well, guess what? The CDC doesn't even want your damn kids to be vaccinated. They said it's unsafe for people under six. So where is the barrier? Like at what point do we need to eliminate disease in, on earth? This was, this was all about power. This was all about power. They tried to masquerade it as, oh, we, we're trusting the science. The CDC has given them the, the clear and go ahead. But no, this is about unions. This is about Dems exercising their power. And they just wanted control. They're, I mean, this is just one example. What they wanted is, you know, they want, how do they describe it? What's the phrasing? They want to like rebuild better or whatever, yeah, build which back. means yeah, build, build back better, which means Green New Deal. And you're already seeing it, folks. Biden said, uh-uh, fracking's donezo. Not happening on federal land. You know, they're already putting their agenda in as fast as possible of everything they wanted to accomplish. It's all these little policy things they had sitting on the shelf and they just waited for the right time. You know, they're like, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, you're seeing it in action. Completely. I got to tell, gotta tell you guys a little story here because it's just like, there's another side of this too beyond just the teachers. You know, I was walking through my neighborhood the other day and I saw these two kids, they must've been like seven or eight, eight years old, maybe, maybe a little bit older, nine or 10 playing up high in the, this tree in our neighborhood. And I was just walking the dog and walked by them. They both had masks on in the tree outside playing. I know where this is going. And I mean, the, the odds that one of them is going to die from, from COVID is what, like one in 10, thousand or something for yeah. kids i mean kids don't really die from this respiratory disease thank god it's more dangerous for them to be playing in the tree than to be <laughs> not wearing a mask <laughs> and, right? and i might add probably much more dangerous to be playing with in the tree with a mask on yeah you'd think so but here, here's the thing there, there's another side of this beyond just the teachers when we're talking about the school issue we also have parents who will say because they're just their brains have been rotted from watching MSNBC and CNN for the last year that they're so scared of their shadow that now they're scared their kid is going to go to school and transmit the virus back to them. And if that is a real and sincere fear of yours, keep your kid home. Yeah. But the entire rest of the parents and the teachers and the students shouldn't have to all stay home and live on Zoom because you're going to be scared forever. That's if you right. want your kid to get dumber, if you want your kid to get depressed, that's on you. But the rest of America has to start living again. Yes, yeah, suicide rates are up. I mean, this is this is having a very, very negative impact on kids. And these teachers unions are just brushing that aside because you see where their priorities are. It's the union first. It's not the students. There's a, there's a great article here. Um, it was out of Chicago where you had a Chicago teachers union leader facing criticism for vacationing in the Caribbean while at the same time claiming it's unsafe for teachers to return to the classroom. There you go. Unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's perfect. It's perfect. If you want to go through the moon, though, Smug, we have an example in Northern Virginia, which friends of ours have actually dealt directly with this, a public high school, and they had this, this school board meeting. And the school board is entirely, as most 
public school districts are entirely controlled by the teachers union, mm -hmm. right? And they're allowing parents to express frustrations, but they keep them like a two minute increment. So like, you can talk for two minutes. And this guy goes up there and starts speaking passionately about his special needs daughter and mm -hmm. how she's falling further behind because they just can't provide her the resources that the school does to try to keep her up with other kids. And he's explaining this and sort of like midway through, they gavel down on him. Sorry. Are you serious? Sorry. Like drop the gavel on. No. And you're like, well, what in the hell can be more important with their, your time than listening to this parent's situation with a special needs kid? And we found out, you know what they went to? Their next proposal was, what do you rename the school? What, what name do we put on the school? Because the founding father that we have on the name of the school is no longer politically uh, comfortable for our students. That's what I'm we're doing right. during a pandemic. That's what we're, oh man, that is shameful. If you want to go through the fucking moon, think about that right? Who are these people? Can you imagine, can you imagine waking up at any point in your, in your day and, and your job is to take care of kids. And what you're thinking is, boy, I really, I got to change the name. The kids haven't been in the school for nine months, but what I think is really important is that I express my political opinion about our founding fathers today. That's, that's what my view is. You know, I hear that story and I just, we, we need to go full Ronald Reagan. He did it to the air traffic controllers that didn't want to show up. Just Hell yeah. Any, any teachers you need to remember, tell the teacher you don't want to show up, fired, gone, Dunzo. done. Dunzo. Union disbanded. Yeah, gone. You don't because want to do your job that's been cleared by the scientists who, who, who you worship. Yes, you're gone. I, and I'll tell you what the, who the real loser is here. I mean, everybody sort of like points and laughs and, you know, here are these upper middle class people who are, you know, I have to work and now they're saddled with their kids and they don't know what to do because they're, you know, obviously not used to that. That's not who hurts here. Your upper, upper middle class parent for the last nine months has been figuring out a way to get their kid educated, whether it's tutors or private school or what have you. Like those kids ultimately are going to be fine. The kids without resources, mm -hmm. the single parent kids, the kids in, in underprivileged homes, those kids are... are to the extent that we have barriers in society for people to excel, that just got so much higher. They, they're, right. they are the exactly ones right. that are, are suffering here. And ostensibly, those are the people that the Democratic Party professes to be taking care of. Mm -hmm. Well, here's version A1A, folks. Biden administration, they don't give a shit about you. The first opportunity they had to do the right thing that would benefit the kids who, who are like like you described, the people who, who should be the primary focus of these teachers, and they sided with the teachers' unions. Well, I'm just glad, Smug, you're finally taking the side of the kids. After, you know, last week, you wanted to pepper spray them. That's different. Well, that's I think behavior. kids should get education, but but not shout in the restaurants. Two, <laughs> two very distinct. They, and they should learn to be quiet, right? That's not part of the education. Yeah. Well, listen, we got to get to Johnny because it's a really interesting interview. I hope you find this, you all find this economic component of this because you're seeing a lot of it on the news as interesting as we do. There are a ton of political parallels, but Johnny's lived both. And uh, I think he'll provide some good insight for us. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. We're going to welcome to the program a very good friend, Johnny DiStefano, known you for years in a political context. You were most recently, the deputy chief of staff in the Trump White House, where you did a lot of good work and you got out of there with your own consultancy and 
I'm sure doing a lot of good work. But why you're on the program today is because you, amongst the many people I know who have been watching this GameStop situation with the stock market over the last three days, have been paying an incredible amount of attention to that. And one of the parallels that we've been drawing is between what we've seen in politics with the rise of populism, activism online, and whether that's translated into finance now for the first time in a long time. So, Johnny, welcome to the program. Thank you, Josh. This is, uh, I thought maybe someday I'd be lucky enough to be a guest. This is the last thing I thought that I would get to talk about. So this is, this is fun. I appreciate it. But as you said, this is perfect because you are not an investor. You're not an investment banker. Uh, you're somebody who watches this stuff. And basically, that's the similarity of everything that we're watching is making yeah, no. move, right? It's, it's, I mean, that's, it's exactly right. I mean, in some respects, I am the perfect person to have on to talk about this because I have no expertise in the subject at all. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about. So just uh, my disclaimer is considered nothing that comes out of my mouth, investment advice. So we're, cl right. we're clear about that. We are very clear. <laughs> we are clear. This is not investment I mean, my, advice. My office was across from Gary Cohn and Larry Kudlow's in the, in the West Wing, which is probably the closest we can get if you need to, you need <laughs> to justify why you, you <laughs> kept me on here. Proximity of office space is as good as any in this. That's, but, it probably is. So just, what's, what's, what's happening is, I mean, you, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you've got retail investors, right, quote unquote, who, or individuals who are trading their own money, you know, generally online have identified some stocks that big institutional investors have massive short bets on. And, you know, and GameStop became sort of the poster child for this. It's a brick and mortar dinosaur that wasn't going anywhere, which I think at one point, maybe still, and this is where I get into sort of, uh, I have enough knowledge to be dangerous, but I mean, I think its shares were 140% short, right? And that can happen because at least as I understand it, you know, you can borrow, a share to be shorted more than once at a time, right? So, so last November, GameStop gets a new investor, the former CEO of Chewy, the online, I mean, I get the cat, I've got Chewy boxes showing up in my house every week, right? The former CEO of the, the online pet store, um, he takes an activist position, he gets a few board seats, so there's some optimism, right, in the direction of the company. It's not this you know, I mean, it still is this brick and mortar retailer, but you know, what's he going to do with it? What's it going to turn into? Yeah, it's not Radio Shack, in other words. Right. So, so, so folks saw an opportunity and these are the, the little guys, right? They, they saw an opportunity. They did their due diligence. They realized just how short a few of these big boys were and they, they took advantage. And, you know, I mean, today, I mean, this is where we, we you know, we talked about, I mean, anybody with a hundred bucks and a phone can participate. You can buy fractions of shares, you can buy options, you can buy crypto, right? So, I mean, you pointed this out, I think, I mean, I was watching CNBC, Quintilla maybe, somebody yeah. actually called out your tweet. I mean, this is the, you know, it's the equitization of the stock market and the little guys just like aren't taking shit anymore. Yeah, They're totally. prepared. These I mean, are idiots. I mean, they, they just haven't had the opportunity. And so, you know, I bet a lot of them remember 2008 and, how it affected them or their parents or their friends or whatever. And, and I mean, it's, it's just nuts. And, and it's a, it's a confluence of, because this is all organized online primarily through Reddit at this point, what I've explained it to is it's a confluence of people having fun for a purpose. Right. And right. It's not, it's not enough just, to, this well, is not like an investment club. No. And it's not, I mean, it's not organized, right? I mean, it's, it's not, a, I mean, it's funny. You see these folks on, 
on CNBC, these regulators, these other people talking about how dangerous this is. I mean, it, what they don't, what people don't realize is these people are standing up for hedge funds when they're doing this, right? I mean, yeah. that's the that's the craziest part is just how unprepared Wall Street seemed to be for this. I mean, the app that most people are using to do this is called Robinhood, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I mean, told you they were it's coming. Like the, it's like the Dennis Leary joke about poor Lou Gehrig. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease. I did not <laughs> see that coming. I mean, this was this is that's what's just so crazy. It's like this is this is you see this in politics, like we've talked about, right? Like this was going to happen. And now all of a sudden the media narrative on this entire thing is turned against the little guy. Yeah. It's fa- it's fascinating. It's because the media is entirely organized around the institutions, right? It's the same in politics as it is now in finance, where you see everybody takes their expertise from these sort of institutional investors, the hedge funds, the long-term players, and and has absolutely no sense about where the grassroots are. And in this case, where a whole bunch of investors are that didn't really didn't exist to these people at all before a week ago. Right. And it's not, I mean, it's not like we don't exist in this world. It's not like we saw it coming, but to you, it's kind of like deja vu for people who have spent totally. the last 10 years in politics, right? I mean, it, for a Republican, you think about it, I mean, it's sort of the best, it's a single best and single worst part of, you know, being a Republican, especially yeah. a professional Republican, right? Right. I mean, you've got the free market making a lot of people who wouldn't have had a chance, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, unfortunately, at the same time, those, the next thing those people aren't thinking about doing is plowing money into Republican candidates to make sure they continue to have that opportunity. Right. I mean, well, it's, 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 it's an amorphous movement. And, yeah. you know, I remember because you were there, you were working for Speaker Boehner at the time, uh, you know, in the, in the 2010 sort of Tea Party movement when everything began in politics to start to organize itself and hyperdrive online. And what was the biggest change were that your, your speech as a voter mm-hmm. went from having to be filtered through polls and media and you know, your elected representatives and everything else to giving you the, that voice directly. And, and then right. the ability to organize with like-minded people across many platforms across the country and all of a sudden you were shouting in a way that you'd been silent and didn't really realize you were silent for generations. Right. And that's what these folks are doing. That's it. And I'd say they probably have a lot more in common with the Tea Party, right, than they do with, you know, the other side politically. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's how I would say a lot of a lot of a lot of the folks that are attracted to our party right now, how they how they mobilize, right? How how they show their interest. It's by engaging you know, like you said, you know, on a Facebook group or, you know, through, you know, trying to get the big guy, you know, investing. Whereas, you know, I'm not saying there aren't Democrats on Reddit or Robinhood, but by and large, you know, the Democrats Robinhood is bag blue, right? Their investment <laughs> is in a political candidate and the return is government. I don't know, like the joy of seeing a, what, a 34 year old documentarian in the Senate raise their taxes. <laughs> is that what they, that's like, that's it, right? That's I mean, right. this is, it's, it's, I mean, this is just another, that's, this is another that with people who are speaking a, you know, a different way. Completely. It's, 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 you know, and a lot of these guys on Reddit, you read this stuff. I mean, they are, they're taking these, these returns that they're making. They're, I mean, this is great, right? One of the things they're doing is they're, you know, they pledge in a percentage of what they make to charity. 
And a lot of these guys have decided to go and buy, go to GameStop and buy like PlayStation 5s and donate them to children's hospitals and stuff. It's so great. So they're, you know, having their cake and eating it too. It's pretty funny. I mean, so, it's just, it's, but it's, you know, it's just it, to see these people getting, you know, demonized on CNBC and in other places is, I mean, it is, we've seen it before. We've seen it before. It does not end well for the big guy. No, it it sure doesn't. The the one lesson that I've had in politics, and I know you share this, is that you can get to a point where you put so much emphasis on anti-expertise, if that's even a a word, where you're basically... You're basically trying to emphasize the fact that anybody who does this for a living is a dumb shit and, and we're just going to overwhelm them, which is it, it, from a pure democratic perspective, like God bless them. That's America. You can do what you want, right? You everybody's your voice. Right. But, but ultimately, you know, what we saw transpire in politics is a lot of really dumb shit, <laughs> right? You know, you remember like cut cap and balance and like, right. All these, all these things that came out of that movement in politics that were totally unworkable and ultimately would have been awful for the American people, but were shorthanded and therefore reality to this larger movement. I wonder if in finance, we get to a point where we're saying everybody who's in finance, they don't know what they're talking about, and we lose you know, some basic principles and understanding for how the market can rat fuck you at the same time. Well, what's interesting is that, I mean, if you're, if you're on Reddit, you're on Wall Street Bets, and you're looking at this, I mean, the entire, the reason this came into be is, I would almost argue, because of the irrational exuberance of the institution, right? Because they were so short on these shares, and people understood the, sort of, the, yeah. what that meant, you know, fundamentally. Now, it's not like the fundamentals are taking this thing to... 300 something dollars a share because I mean, it's obviously the company's not worth what it's, what it's being traded for right now, but it's, it, it, I, what I don't, what I do see is a lot of really solid due diligence and rationale behind what everybody thinks they're doing. Right. This isn't, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you know, hold the man accountable and screw the shorts and all that, but it's not like, it's not founded in some reason. Right. They picked GameStop for a reason. They're not just driving up a random stock, right? These well, are not guys who could quarter, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, because, you know, now they're moving AMC, which is, of course, the theater that everybody's had in their hometowns, and it's amidst a pandemic, which, you know, if we're being honest, that's not great for revenue. Um, I, I mean, is this just basically trying to grab every defunct or near-defunct company and run up their price? No, it's, I mean, it's more, it's, it's more, it's, it's simultaneously more well thought out, and less organized than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a move that they're, these are folks who are looking for opportunities and sharing what they have found in those opportunities with other folks and other folks on Reddit, other places agreeing with that and placing a bet. Right. Mm-hmm. Essentially. Right. Um, so is this it's not, I mean, it's not, they're not taking a dollar stock and saying, let's drive that dollar stock up to 250 bucks because we can buy a thousand shares and make $250,000. I mean, these are primarily right now. I mean, at least what they've done. I mean, they're looking, they've looked at other things that they think to be undervalued, but primarily right, right now, I think it's sort of like the money. I mean, this is the biggest inefficiency. I think that folk, that people, retail investors see in the market that is companies that are way, you know, are, are too short that institutions have too many bets against that are too short. Um, 
that you know they see some upside in and so that's what they're betting against yeah well it's all fascinating johnny and thank you for providing your perspective next time you come on here we're going to talk more politics but just because you've been following this so closely i figured we got to have somebody who at least brings a layman's uh vernacular to some pretty complicated stuff well we can talk tomorrow after i've lost all of my money <laughs> yeah well that's the thing we don't know how this is going to end right no. but no we don't so don't yeah i mean that's uh, that's the other thing too is you see this i mean you really do see this people are trying to be responsible about this don't you know don't don't trade money you don't have that you're not willing to lose i mean you see that there is there are shit posters and all sorts of problems right in terms of of, of people who are trying to spam credit but the, by and large the majority of folks are trying to act responsibly and it's just it's unfair what's happening yeah yeah, well, listen, Mr. DiStefano, it's great to see you. Thank you for coming on the program. Yep, thanks for having me. So Outstanding. Yeah. yeah, great interview. It's interesting, and he's an interesting guy. And, uh, you know, who knows? We we ultimately have no idea where this ends. Uh, Smug's probably right, and it ends in tears for yep. for multiple parties. But uh, But it has been fascinating new development to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be keeping my eyes peeled on that situation, and everyone out there, you should, you know, be sure to tune in next time. Keep keep your ears peeled if that's a thing to the show, because uh, this remains the best variety entertainment program. It is a variety program. In, in fact, America. In fact, we uh, we got some uh, feedback on last week's program from old Ben Dominich, who was a. Uh, a target oh, right. last last week yeah and, and, and he's a great sport he agreed a great to sport. come on the show gracious gracious which we appreciate one thing i wanted to clarify uh because my my twitter thread got a lot of engagement um uh i i wholeheartedly disagree with what ben wrote but you never trump people who rt'd me i i actually do hate you <laughs> Um, like I, I dislike dis <laughs> Ben's opinion, uh, but at least he's loyal to something. I feel, I feel like that all the time, Duncan. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'll say something that's critical of of Trump or whatever, and then I'll get a whole bunch of journal RTs, and I'm like, no, 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 not you, no, not you, right? I'm not never Trump. I'm not never never Trump. I'm not like always MAGA Trump. I'm just reality. Yeah. There you yeah. go, Duncan. Which is something that we need, which is why you tune in to the Ruthless Variety program, where, by the way, we sing, we dance, <laughs> and we entertain. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. That's another great episode in the can. So let's wrap this one up. Until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll catch you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>